Our scripture reading is from 1 Thessalonians. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. To all called by a faithful God, peace is yours in Jesus. Amen. So I, I thought that uh, preaching about constant prayer um, would be a, a sermon that you'd have to file into the category of those who can't do teach, right? Because uh, constant prayer is something that I struggled with for a long time. When I was a boy, I heard these kinds of Bible passages talking about constant prayer, and I thought that it meant that I was going to have to sit in church every day, all day for the rest of my life. And as a little boy, I'm not going to lie to you, that sounded awful. And I thought, if that's what God requires of me, I'm just always going to be a subpar Christian. And then, I mean, even fast forward, I kind of persisted in that misunderstanding um, until I got to seminary. And in seminary, I heard about, about guys who had this specific place where they would go and pray, like some people call it a prayer closet, you know, where they would go and they'd spend hours. And I thought to myself, that's just not me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm deficient in prayer. Maybe I don't know what it really means uh, to pray constantly. But it's the more that you search the scriptures that those misunderstandings find true understanding. And the more that I search the scriptures on constant prayer, the more I'm convinced that it's less setting aside that unique time, sitting in church all day, every day, and more about that constant conversation that we are invited into with our God who loves us very much. And so constant prayer takes the form during the day when you pray to God and say, wow, God, you're amazing for what you have made. The times when you pray to God and you say, you know, what's about to happen in the next 15 minutes, the only way I'm going to get through this is with your strength, God. So will you strengthen me? The times when you confess your sins before God and you say, Lord, I leave this in your hands. Forgive me for what I have done. That's constant prayer. And that's the constant prayer that is spoken of in the scriptures. That's the constant prayer that the Apostle Paul speaks about in 1 Thessalonians, which you just heard read, when he says pray continually. And you probably know the other Bible verses, at least a few of them, that govern our time together this morning. The writings from the Apostle Paul, like, like Romans chapter 12, verse 12, where we're told to be constant in prayer. Like Ephesians chapter 6, it says pray at all times. Or Colossians 4, continue steadfastly in prayer. It's the words of Jesus himself who said to his disciples that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Those are the verses we typically turn to when we think about constant prayer. But the truth is the scriptures also say things like be still. And know that I am God. Or one of my personal favorites, you probably know it even if you don't know where it's from. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It says this, do not be quick with your mouth. And do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Or Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So which is it? Are we to pray continually? Are we to pray constantly? Are we to be steadfast in prayer? Or are we to let our words be few? Are we to make all of our petitions and prayers known to our God? 
or are we to be silent before him? And in good Lutheran fashion, and good Lutheran understanding, the answer is yes. Right? If you think that you're going to wear God down with your prayers, that your counsel is all that God needs in order to enact change on earth, if you think that you're going to tell God things and tell him how it really is, then Ecclesiastes speaks to you and it says, let your words be few. Because God is in heaven and you are on earth. If you think that you can wear God down by speaking proper prayers and having the right incantations that will make God's will done in your life, if you think that you can pray formulaic prayers to get action out of God, then the words of Jesus are for you. Don't keep on babbling like the pagans do, for they've received their reward in full. But if you understand that prayer and constant prayer is God's idea of communication, where he invites us to speak to him at all times and in all circumstances, when we know what to say and when we don't know what to say, when things are good and when things are valley, then constant prayer is the gift that God gives to you. And you see, this is a theme which you've likely heard throughout the weeks of this series. Constant prayer, like all of prayer, is gift, not guilt. It's not a, a checklist where you can say, I've done it for this amount of time, and therefore my prayer is heard. No, constant prayer is a gift from God that reminds us that the line is always open, that God is always present to hear our prayers because he has promised to be, that God says to us, you can speak to me about anything and at any time. And what a contrast that is to our normal relationships, isn't it? Have you ever had a topic that you are particularly passionate about, but those around you really weren't that interested Right? And so you talked about it all the time, and the people around you just kind of glossed over, and they're like, shh, we're done hearing you talk about this. Like, imagine it's something really important, like Red Sox baseball, for example. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> you just don't care about it, do you? Right? And the truth is, God never says, I've heard you enough on that topic. Constant prayer reminds us that God is always willing to hear from us. And that as we've talked about God's answers to prayer, his ultimate answer is peace in Jesus. And so he invites us to even keep talking about those things with him, to keep wrestling through them until we arrive at that place of peace. That's the gift of constant prayer. And constant prayer was modeled by Jesus. Constant prayer that, that saw itself lived out as he went out on various prayer retreats by himself, as he prayed for people in public, that the Lord would hear his prayer and would heal them. As Jesus himself prayed various times in front of people that they would know that the Father always hears. And, and one of my favorites, and one which, which frankly I've grown in my understanding of, it's one of the seven words of Jesus from the cross. Remember at Good Friday we will typically structure a worship service around the seven things that Jesus said. And one of them is very clearly a prayer. It goes like this, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And I had always read that and, and put it in context. It said, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And at that moment, the soldiers are at the base of the cross and they're casting lots for Jesus' clothing. Right? So I always pictured it as Jesus prayed that prayer about those soldiers who were gathered around the base of the cross and that Jesus was there praying for them. They don't know the humility. They don't know how they're humiliating me. Right? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. But, and, and bear with me, I want to give you a little grammar lesson. 
all right? It, it says Jesus prayed. You would expect that to be an aorist. You expect that to be a past tense verb that's completed action. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. One-time action. But it's not. It's actually an imperfect. An imperfect verb is past action that continues into the present. I know this is riveting, but just bear with me for a second. <laughs> past action that continues into the present. You know what that means? It means that Jesus was uttering that prayer over and over again. It means that as the soldiers are attaching him, affixing him with nails to the cross, Jesus is praying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. As they're lifting him up on display, crucifying him, he's praying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. As they're casting lots for his clothing and humiliating him with their language, Jesus is praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's a constant prayer, and it's also his mission. Because as he prays there on the cross, he knows what will bring about its fulfillment, and he knows that it's for us as well. That the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross is what reconciles us to our Heavenly Father. Jesus knows what will fulfill that prayer, and it's his very death. And so there on the cross, he utters for us, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And that constant prayer and that mission of Jesus, that work that he does because he only can, is this atoning sacrifice for our sins that draws us into a relationship with our Heavenly Father that reminds us that the chasm which was fixed by sin, the brokenness in the relationship that we enacted by our sin is now overcome and remedied in Jesus Christ alone. That by his death, we are brought near to the Father. The ear that otherwise would have been dead to us and deaf to us is suddenly alive because of Jesus Christ. And that, brothers and sisters, the line is always open. Jesus uttered that prayer terrifyingly and astonishingly alone. Without anyone gathered around to support him, without anyone gathered around to uplift him, he went to the cross alone. But he did so, so that we would never be alone. He did so, so that we would be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. And not only that, brothers and sisters, but that we would be drawn into a family of God who are also, with other brothers and sisters, reconciled to the same Heavenly Father. That we would be brought into community, that we would know we are never alone. And that's the second gift of constant prayer. It's the gift of community. It's knowing that because Jesus draws us into a body of Christ, because he draws us into a family together, that we can pray for one another, that we can encourage one another, that we will never have to go it alone. One of my favorite healings in the New Testament is the time when, when we see four men who brought their paralyzed friend before Jesus. And these four men know that Jesus can heal him. And so they bring their paralyzed friend on a mat before Jesus. But Jesus is so popular at this point. There are so many people packed around him that they can't get anywhere close. Jesus is healing people within a house. And the house, it says, is overflowing. There are even people gathered on the streets outside. They can't get anywhere close, but the friends don't give up. You remember what happens? They hike this guy up onto the roof, and they dig a hole through the roof of the house. Just be glad it's not your house, Right? And they lower this mat down in front of Jesus. And then this is what the gospel says. It says, Jesus 
seeing their faith, said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Get up, take your mat, and go. Jesus seeing their faith. That when this man couldn't be strong, his friends were strong for him. When this man was mired in weakness and in sin, his friends were there for him to bring him in contact with the only one who could remedy both his life and his faith, that being Jesus. This is what community is all about. I need to know, and you need to know, that someone is here for you. That you are gathered into this body of Christ, and some of you have been in that situation, haven't you? You've been in that situation which in which your life or your faith was in a valley. That you had a brother or sister come alongside you. Some of you have been dealing with difficulty with illness and the church has uplifted you in prayer. What a wonderful gift that you've seen lived out the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts, listen to this, should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Constant prayer is the gift of community. That in all circumstances, we can uplift one another. That in all circumstances, we can be suffering with one another and rejoicing with one another. And just one more Bible passage about this. James chapter 5. Another wonderful account from the scriptures. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they sinned, they will be forgiven. There are countless examples of this in the Old Testament. Countless examples of brothers and sisters interceding for one another. Let others pray with you. Let others pray for you. Understand this gift of community is the gift of constant prayer. And by the way, brothers and sisters, when we know that our community is praying for us, our prayers suddenly become a whole lot less selfish, don't they? They suddenly become a gift of joining our voice with all the saints on earth. And that wonderful privilege that we have of being constant in prayer. But just because your community is praying for you, and just because your, your friends and your family are praying for you, that doesn't mean that you can abdicate prayer. Right? It doesn't mean that you, you get off without talking to God. That you can say, oh, well, they're just praying. And it also doesn't mean, by the way, that you can say, well, see, the pastors are going to pray for me. And they have that red phone. They talk directly to God. We are happy to pray for you. But also to assure you that God hears your prayers equally with ours. And so in those times when you say, I don't know what to pray, don't worry because you're not heard because of your many words. You're not heard because you got the formula right. You're heard because prayer and constant prayer is the gift of God the Holy Spirit. Hear what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. It means that we don't have to worry about speaking the right prayers. 
that we can simply let our hearts be known. And at times that means we will be still before our God and that he intercedes on our behalf, that he speaks to us of the will of God, that he intercedes on our behalf before our heavenly Father, that we have the privilege of knowing that the line is always open. Constant prayer, brothers and sisters, is a gift, not guilt. It's the gift of community, of knowing that as you are drawn to Jesus with other brothers and sisters, that you have the opportunity to offer prayers and petitions on behalf of one another, and to know that you yourself do not stand alone, and to know this gift of God the Holy Spirit, who interprets and translates our prayers, who makes sense of them before God, that you would always know that he is gracious and that your prayers are heard. Your prayers are precious to God. In fact, the book of Revelation tells us that God has gathered the prayers of his saints in golden bowls full of incense because they are that important to him. And so, brothers and sisters, as you continue constant in prayer, know the gift that your prayers, the prayers of the saints, are like a symphony in God's ear that he answers according to his mercy, that you might arrive at that place of peace in the name of the faithful one who has called you, Jesus Christ. Amen.